Welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time, where we wear tuxedos, and it is time, podcast edition, home reno series after show edition. Wow. Any more editions? Nope. After show, home reno series after show edition, special so, edition of Tuxedo Time. So if anybody's listening to this and they haven't seen episode one of the home reno series, which is not the most creative title that we could come up with, but <laughs> we toiled over it for months and we were like, you know what? Let's just call it the Home Reno series. I didn't want it to be another The Uncommon Law scenario where it was like a cheesy name. Flagship series. It doesn't have to be a special name. There you go. Okay. okay. So if anyone, again, has not watched episode one, then this podcast may not make sense. And yep. anybody who know, doesn't even know what we're talking about, we created or we are creating a multi-part home renovation series where we're renovating our current house and we're filming it and making a YouTube show, basically. I, I just want to give you guys a brief overview of what the After Show Edition is. So basically what it is, is when we do a big project on our main YouTube channel, we deep dive on it here on the podcast. So we've decided to call that the After Show Edition. It's going to be like behind the scenes. We're going to do some cut-ins. We'll talk about the project. And then also we'll be answering some of your questions from the main channel. This is like the director's commentary of yeah, the DVD extras. Exa that's exactly what it is, Chris. <laughs> we are the directors and this is our commentary. That's right. Exactly. So with that being said, today we did release episode one of the Home Reno series. Over the next four weeks-ish, we are going to be releasing a couple of more episodes, which means that every week from here until the rest of the episodes are released, we will be doing the after show edition of the podcast. And then after that, we will get back to our regularly scheduled Programming. programming, but you might have noticed that we did go dark for a little while again. We tend to do that right around when we have a series coming out. You start running around with like a head, your chicken with the head cut off. Yeah. Thinking, oh my God, I have so much to work. Ah. There's not you, enough time to do it all. And then you stop uploading YouTube for a couple weeks. Yeah. And then boom, big series. Still doing this by myself. I don't have an editor. I don't have any team. It's you and me. Chris works full time. So it's me. It's true. Yeah. yeah you're a one, you're a one, one woman production one woman army. Show. Okay, so first of all, we need to give you guys a brief overview of episode one of the Home Reno series. If you haven't watched it, or maybe if you're listening and you just don't even watch our podcast. Or you mean YouTube, or YouTube channel? channel. Give us a quick, like, Cole's notes of what episode one was. Okay, so episode one started with us in Buffalo, New York, but then we rewound and talked about how we got there. And essentially, it was us coming to Buffalo and renting an apartment because we couldn't get approved for a mortgage, but then we could get approved for a mortgage. So then we finally went on a house hunt, and around the same time, we were getting a little bit sick of living in an apartment complex, or that specific apartment complex that we were living in, because there were a lot of, well, there's a lot of stuff like, you know, people smoking in a non-smoking building. Or like people's dogs pooping in the stairwell, and then them just like leaving the turds yeah. there. Yeah, and like urine ending up on our doorstep. Yeah, and the elevator breaking for like eight months. Yeah, and also uh, shared laundry machines that invariably would have pubes in them after that yeah. wouldn't be cleaned out. It so wasn't so great getting your clean clothes back with somebody else's pubes on them. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the it wasn't the most fun. Yeah. So and then also the event space across the river um, would have dance parties every weekend. And our downstairs neighbor also decided that Monday and Tuesday nights was his weekend and would also have dance parties. I think it was someone from the Buffalo Bills, and that actually was their weekend because I think they shifted till Sunday and Monday they had off. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. So Sunday night, we'd be hearing bass pounding to the floor. Anyway, there's a lot of factors that we just didn't, you know, and we, we understand that, like, you know, living in an apartment building with other people is the norm for many people. I think we got 
ruined because our experience in Vancouver was not that. Our experience, right. we never heard our neighbors in Vancouver. We never had an issue. And the building manager was there all the time and he was incredible. Yes. I think the building manager living on site was key and yeah. nobody broke the rules because the building manager there, he'd knock on your door if you were being a shithead. Everyone was <laughs> so quiet there. It was incredible. Yeah. So this was a little bit of a different experience mm-hmm. um, compared to that living experience in, in our condo in Vancouver. But with that said... Before that, we had a house in St. John's, Newfoundland, so we were very accustomed to kind of just, you know, just the two of us living together in, in our home. In the quiet. Yeah. But anyway, so the whole story was us getting back to that, finding a house, and of course, this was pre-pandemic, so... 2018 is when this specific episode was recorded. Yes. So the, the market was quite different then than it is now. Our hair was very different then than it is now. <laughs> very, very different times, but... Yeah. So anyway, we the, the, the rest of the episode basically follows us looking at various houses, trying to figure out how much of a project we want to take on, and ultimately us settling on the house we're in right now. Which is a house that we actually almost passed up because when we saw it on the listing, we thought it had too much wood and too much stone, so we didn't even consider it. Right. And then And it was higher into the budget. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Before we go any further, I want to give a massive shout out to our realtor, Steph. Yes. For being so (laughs) amazing and just like down for every adventure and like cool with us filming and just putting up with all of our weird specifics that we like wanted. Yes. And she was on board for like everything. She never tried to talk us out of, you know, something. Yeah. She was just, she was just down for all the crazy. We would feel bad. We're like, oh my God, Steph, we're dragging you out again. And you must be so sick of us. We must be your most high maintenance clients. And she's like, no, no, it's fine. She's like, seriously, don't worry about the process and how long or short it takes. Yeah. It all works out. I see it. I have many clients and Mm -hmm. it all works out over time. And ultimately, you know, you'll get what you want and something that works for you. And she was right. Yeah, she was. And it's funny because you'll get, you guys will see this in a couple of years. I don't know, question mark time, who knows? But Steph uh, was actually our realtor when we were looking for a land and what a sport, man. She would drive (laughs) like two hours with us, three hours with us. She'd be like up to her hips in like grass and just like in tick country in tick country. And she was just like, whatever, man, this is cool. Like (laughs) Yeah. To vacant, vacant plots of land. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about that later on. So we're, we're talking about this episode. It's the behind the scenes for the episode. So we're going to be talking about production. We're going to be talking about actually like buying the house. It was really challenging to go and view these homes whilst filming, like trying to get shots so, at, and at a time where we were a lot newer still to video. Yeah. So, I mean, our channel was different then. Very. And I mean, everybody progresses, but it was interesting. You had an interesting time looking back on the footage and trying to use the footage that you shot back in 2018. Yeah. Not necessarily because of the camera differences, but a little bit because of the camera differences. We were shooting with the yeah. A7S2 in S-Log2, 8-bit. Yeah, so it was like a lot of out-of-focus shots because the camera wasn't so great at focusing. So when we were vlogging, two of us, no flip-out screen, we couldn't see. Mm-hmm. So we just trusted that it was working. And a lot of times it wasn't. So you'll notice there are yeah. a lot of shots in that episode where we are vlogging, camera facing us, uh, that are it is soft or out, out of focus, focus yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that I found challenging was that like back then we had a tendency to not hold on clips long enough right so I didn't or we it was too shaky so there were no like establishing shots or you know just flat room shots of anything everything was kind of moving and exposure was changing because we were running gun it was fast and go 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 yeah so you either focus on viewing the house or you focus on filmmaking one kind of takes a hit. 
Right. And the filmmaking took a hit because we, we had were, to see the house. We, we were trying to, to buy a house. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We and also what I found, because I remember I filmed probably half of it. You filmed probably half of it. Yeah. All I did was I just put the camera on my neck, put it on auto ISO and just walked around. Oh, that makes so much sense. I was looking at the house to buy it. <laughs> we don't use auto ISO anymore. Well, no, I mean. Tell was, them why we don't use auto ISO Well, it, I still think it would be fine. But the, anyway. On Sony cameras, if you use auto ISO, it, it seems like a really good idea in practice because as you move through different rooms, the exposure changes. Um, but for some reason, it's a quirk. Uh, the color shifts as well. I think it only shifts. shifts in the higher ISOs. But either way, anyway, we're the, getting we're we're yeah. getting caught in the technical weeds. Yeah, exactly. But, but bottom line though was that we we're trying to look at a house to buy it. That was the priority. We wanted to have this footage for some unknown project, which is now a known project. And also at that time we weren't planning our videos. Like right. in the last couple of years, we started like significantly doing a lot of pre-production on our videos and research and figuring out what it's going to be and what the shot list is and what's the title and thumbnail before we even film. Back yeah. back then we were just filming everything. So there wasn't really a clear direction in what we were doing. We just filmed everything. Tell the story in the edit. Exactly. <laughs> so there was a lot of pulling that shit together. There was, the but also when you don't know what the final product's going to be. Yeah, it's You kind of had to do that. Yeah. But also, and the third thing was that we were there with Steph. So we felt bad like saying, oh, can you hold on now? We have to properly shoot and document every single room for every single property that we looked at because this could be the one. Yeah, we had to be, well, we were, wanted to be respectful of her time. Right. Um, because it just wasn't fair. So, But I think we got what we needed. Yeah. It gets the point across. Totally. Yeah. Pull that shit together in the edit. Looks more run and gun that way with more camera movements. Yeah, more authentic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Boots on the ground. So I do have a question. One uh -huh. of our first questions, which is actually production related since we're kind of talking about this right now. Okay. So I'm going to pull the question up. This question is from Kurt. Um, they say, uh, looking back at a year plus old footage, what do you wish you shot instead or differently when editing this? Have you noticed anything about your filmmaking style that has changed? How thankful are you that you went above asking price right now before the housing boom? Ooh, there's a bit to unpack there. There is a bit to unpack. Okay. We kind of answered the technical side of it. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, like holding on shots like you talked about. Yeah. Would have been nicer if we paid more attention to what we were shooting and maybe just got like, even just like a few, even coming in and if we use your technique, the seven shot sequence. That's what I was just going to say. If we did seven shot sequence for everything. It would have taken like probably two minutes. Yeah. Up front. Yep. And then we could have put the camera away. Yes. It's like get representative shots of the house. Done. And yeah. then, yeah, but again. And exteriors. We have no exteriors, if anything. Right, we don't. A lot yeah. of times we were, looking, we were looking at houses at night, though. That's true, yeah. Because it was yeah. after work in there, the winter. There was a point um, during House 3 when I was talking about, like, how it was an old mid-century modern house. It has a classic lo low and long look. Uh -huh. And there were no shots. Right. And it, and it was at dusk, and I think at that point we, you know, we were shooting with A7S2, but, yeah, I guess we just, like, didn't. Maybe it was, like, sodium vapor lights, and we were just, like, it's not worth it. But I think, yeah, seven shot sequence, hold on those shots for 10 to 15 seconds each. Give yourself some choices in post. With that being said, though, a lot of things that we talked about like later, if we hadn't just had the camera around our neck shooting everything, like we wouldn't have the shot of like in the second house, the mid-century modern one, or you had a shot of like water damage on the ceiling and like looking around the bathroom, like we wouldn't have had those shots mm -hmm. because- we would have just been like, watch out the living room, watch out the hallway, watch out, you know what I mean? That's true too, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you, you can always have what ifs, but realistically, at the end of the day, we got the job done. Yeah. And it, it worked out. Told story. Yeah. Yeah. As um, far as the last part of his question, what was it? Um, how thankful are you that you went above asking right now before the housing boom? <laughs> yeah, oh I mean. Oh my gosh. 
trying to time any market is is not wise uh but yeah in retrospect sure i'm glad we got in earlier than rather than later yeah we were lucky we were lucky we were lucky yeah but at the same time it's funny though because like you think about i go back into my mindset back then and it all came down to the higher the more money we spend on the house so the bigger mortgage we get it just means that our monthly payments are going to be higher. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all about just kind of managing cash flow. Back then, I just assumed let's get the cheapest house we can and put the most sweat equity into it. That was originally the plan. I think that's why we we originally, initially, besides the stone and the wood, passed this house up because we were right. like, it's the top of our budget. And we wanted right. to go in with something like a quarter of the cost of this house. I mean, we, we were looking. Our range was a, massive. A wide range yeah. of houses. Anywhere from like in the twos to the, to the fives, really. Yeah. Or sixes even. Yeah. And uh, actually, this wasn't the most expensive house we looked at. There was one other one that was more expensive, but the one that had the pool that had all the da- water damage, wasn't that more expensive? Oh, that giant, huge house? It was house. a massive It was like 7,000 Did we even feet? show it? We didn't, know. We didn't, because we walked in there, we were like, no. Yeah, so that one was more expensive, and it was more run down. It was actually run down. This isn't run down at all, this house. Yeah. But yeah, so we were looking at a wide range, but just knowing that it would, it, we would just have to shuffle our finances around more, and it just means that we'd have lower cash flow for month to month for discretionary f- spending. Yep. We would have uh, not as much money to put into a place and we probably wouldn't be able to do as many helicopter trips, you know? Yeah. That was a hard one for you to swallow because for me, like h- house stuff is my hobby. So like for me, I, I don't mind spending extra money on the house because like that's my passion. Yeah. For you, I think you had a hard time with it because A, I think where we were coming from Canada and we were used to a certain like cost of living Mm -hmm. to change that was a little bit scary because now with more income, it's like you're a little more comfortable. Now we, if we have like a smaller mortgage, you can, you have more freedom, like you said. Right. Like if we chose, if we we got into a house that was like maybe only a little bit more expensive than when we were in Canada, um, then we would have a lot more flexibility to do things otherwise. But with that said, I mean, I think we're still in a comfortable position right now with our current mortgage payment, especially yeah. after we re- refinance when the mortgage, when, oh, yeah. when the interest rates dropped. Like, Yeah. I mean, we would never have gotten into a house that we didn't feel comfortable with the mortgage payment. No, like, no, exactly. We don't want to be house poor. Exactly. And that's, and that's, I think that's a mistake that a lot of people do get into. However, right. with that said, getting into the one, something on the, that was on the higher end of the things we we're looking at. I mean, no one could have predicted what was going to happen, happen yeah. i.e. the pandemic, yeah. i.e. supply chain disruption, i.e. inflation mm-hmm. as a result. And now it's like everybody's trying to stake their money in assets like real estate so to, to combat inflation. Yeah. And so this is actually a good place to be in having more money tied up in real estate right. than we initially wanted. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, it was funny as we were editing the series, we're basically editing with the knowledge that we have now. But editing footage that we shot with knowledge that we had three, four, five years ago. So a lot of the footage, as you guys may have seen, was from like 2017, 2018. And so I had to pull a lot of those old clips and regrade them because it, they looked terrible. Like I couldn't just pull a vlog and pull the footage out of it. Back when we were using OPL, other people's LUTs. Yeah. Oh boy, the skin tones. <laughs> they were not good. Um, but that brings us to the file management aspect Leading up to the series, a lot of you guys were curious about uh, the file management because you noticed that in the trailer, there was a lot of old clips and you kind of recognize that by our hair color yes. and where we were. And hair well. length for and me. And hair length. Yeah. <laughs> and where we were. I won't get too into the details of our file management system, but we basically have a bunch of RAID towers. Uh, they're set up in a RAID 5 array. So if 
it's basically like four or five hard drives in a bay um, that are kind of striped so they're redundant. So if one drive dies, you can basically replace that drive and it will rebuild the files. And we also have that backing up on an off-site server as well. Yeah, cloud-based backup. Cloud-based backup service. So um, we basically have all of the footage from like Vancouver era and like the beginning of Buffalo's on this one raid tower that has been out of commission for a couple of years. I started editing this series pretty much when we moved into this house, when we knew we were going to be doing it. I've been kind of picking away at it for the last couple of years. So I basically had episode one, um, you know, rough cut from 2019. So when I picked it back up uh, this year, um, that drive had a dead drive in it, so I couldn't access the files, so we had to rebuild well, it. It wasn't a dead drive. It was a drive that was throwing errors, and it says fit drive failure imminent, so we left it off yeah. for a long time, and then we didn't want to, like, you know. Mess with it. And actually, what people say, though, is, like, turning raid towers on and off actually is worse because you're booting up and shutting down. Oh, yeah. But that makes keeping sense. something in a steady state will be better. Mm-hmm. It's like light bulbs. It's actually better to leave a light bulb. If you want maximum longevity, just leave it on all the time and don't yeah. turn it off and on. Anyway. Anyway, so we re- rebuilt the drive and got all the footage off of it, actually opened the project and packaged it up, all of the extra footage, and then put it on our current raid. Three, Thunder Bay 3. Thunder Bay 3. Thank you. Um, so yeah, the file management is pretty, pretty nuts. We're pretty organized with it. Everything is in like camera folders within dates, etc. So, and then all of our projects are all named pretty uh, meticulously. So, uh, yes, good file management was key to the success of the series. Okay, I found the comment. Okay. <laughs> that took longer than I thought. Yep. <laughs> There's actually a lot of comments here. I, didn't I don't know it. if I just said anything right because you weren't li- there to say, actually, you said this wrong. Well, I'm that well actually guy. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyone else trying to pinpoint the time frame based on their hair? Lin Vo says... Yep, throughout the vid, I was like, this is before the pandemic. This is before the HIV video. That teaser looks like it's after that, judging by Chris's hair length. Also, blonde Becky has not shown up yet, so it's before heading east. (laughs) Blonde Becky does not show up in the renovation ever ever in the first part, like in the first four episodes, (laughs) except for like the debrief ending part. Yes. And the funny thing is about the the series in general is like I, I said a few minutes ago that I had basically rough cuts of all of these episodes like as we were filming because it's just easier when you have like 27 plus days of renovation footage to every night dump it put it in the project title it what it is so like day three laminate floor or not laminate like laying the floor or day 20 laying the tiles and so it's like all you know organized you've got it in bins in your project already yeah so even if i'm not like editing it all right away everything is already loaded in the project so i don't forget you can't preview A7S3 files in Finder now. Still? Still. Wow. So, yeah, I just d- d- dump him in right away. So, I had all of these, aside from the bathroom one, because that's, like, the newest episode, Rough Cut. And when I opened them back up right before Christmas, I decided to recut them all. Because <laughs> I like, edited them three years ago. Like, yeah. you know, I wasn't happy with the way they were turning out. So, I you redid just, them. You just, like, scratched it all. Well, I, I had all the rough cuts, and I just copied it, made a new th- timeline. Mm-hmm. And I was just ruthless. Delete, 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 move, yeah. move, 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 delete, delete, delete. It's like, what clip, what does this clip add in for the story? How does it push the story along? Yeah. If it doesn't, cut. Yeah. And you'll see uh, next week when we release episode two, the format that we've decided to go with. Because originally it was just like everything in the timeline. And now it's like, okay, now there's like a teaser at the beginning. Then there's the intro. Then there's this. Then there's the mood board. Then there's the rest of the thing. And then there's the, you know what I mean? So it's like in kind of sections now instead right. of just like The first episode is a little bit different because it was like 
finding the house, but now that we're actually going to be doing renovation projects, right? it's going to have this more predictable format. Yeah, it's a, it's more in a... So how long was the original first episode before you started ruthlessly, cu- ruthlessly cutting clips? Uh, the rough cut was an hour. The uh, cut that I had kind of done was 40 minutes. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, it was 20, 25 minutes. 25 minutes. minutes. I basically cut it in half. Wow. Yeah. Every episode. That's impressive. Yeah. I just, you know, when you come back and you look at it with fresh eyes, you're like, this is not necessary. This is boring. And like, there's probably still stuff that could be cut out, but then there's other things I'm like, you know what? I'm going to leave this in because I think this might be a helpful nugget of information for somebody. Yeah. Mostly in the renovation episodes versus the house hunting one. This is fine line, right? Because I'm sure there are some people, viewers out there that would rather, they'd want to see the full, more full, like 40 minute version. Yep. But- for the most people who are coming to the channel, say someone turned the, the video on, like 25 minutes is a long YouTube video. Yeah. In, f- for a YouTube video, it's long. It is, yeah. So having people come to the channel or a more casual viewer mm-hmm. who wants to watch something that's more like, you know, digestible, like a TV episode. Yeah. They're more akin to, say, something, a program that's like 20, 25 minutes. Exactly. Well, and tw- 22 minutes is what they'd be used to probably, plus ads. Right. And that's kind of like the original goal was to make it more like a show. Right. Like a full-length show. So we tried to, we're trying to keep them below 30 minutes if possible. But that's kind of why we're doing the after show because we want to, like, we have so much to talk about. So if you're <laughs> like, if you guys are, you know, you want to know more, then like, hey, maybe you'll come hang out with us over here on Thursdays uh, for after show edition. Hence the DVD extras. Yes. On that note of cutting things, we're 23 minutes in and we've answered one question. So. Okay, great. Well, that questions aren't the whole thing in this podcast. Or no, 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 no. But I'm just saying, let's keep it moving, Peckham. Originally, we were going to talk about house prices in the series. And then when we shot the debrief, we decided we were not going to talk about prices. Then after we watched back the episode, we said, you know, maybe this would have been better had we included prices. So we were still on the fence about including prices in the series, but we thought that we could discuss budgets and pricing for the renovation in the after show, in case you guys are curious. Yeah, I, it, it was this kind of back and forth that we had. I think objectively looking at it, people want want to know prices. Yeah. And people, because people are used to seeing shows on they, TV. HGTV always yeah. says that here's the price, here's the budget. And it, I feel like it's, for me, if I was watching it, the first thing I'd be like is how much is this house? Yeah. Because I need to, in order to gauge value and how big a project is going to be, and what kind of renovations I can do to it. I need to know what the base price is. What's your cost? What's your cost basis first, right? And then how much can you put into it? And then can you get the level of finishing you want and not completely blow it out of the water, you know, blow the budget out of the water? Or, you know, you don't want to put, you know, buy a $200,000 house and put $400,000 of renovations in it because you'll never get that money back. So these are all like things that the way I think about things. So I, I was thinking, you know, like prices might be better to have in but it's one of those things where, like, we don't share everything on the internet. It's, like, finance is kind of a private thing, which... Yeah, and I think, too, like, yeah, we were kind of like, well, there's a, this certain level of privacy, too, when it comes to, like, even showing the exterior or, like, right. the cost of the house or, like, you know, we and we do get a lot of comments, too, about the helicopter and, you know, the must-be-nices and, like, those types right. of... So it's, like, we're a little bit sensitive to that kind of stuff. So, like, do we, we really want to share... We just didn't want to, like, draw attention to it. Exactly. Yeah. We want it to be more about the show and less about the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's this one episode is going to be let's us getting the house is like literally just one episode. Yeah. So from here on in, it's us doing the renovation projects and that's sort of the focus. Yeah. And I think like the cost of the house, it matters to us, but I don't think really anybody needs to know. I mean, like we. And at the end of the day too, now 
the, the costs oh, are it's all, so, yeah, it's it like almost irrelevant. Yeah, because the, the market has gone so nuts that what we would pay two and three years ago is not what we would pay now. Right. Like there's probably a good 20, 25% markup on everything just yeah. since then. But I think that it would have been useful because even if that was the case and we gave numbers that were outdated, uh, that still would have been useful because you could have seen, okay, the first house was, you know, three quarters the cost of the second house or vice right. versa, you know? So yeah. it would have been helped just to gauge value. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at the end of the day, we chose not to. And I actually, I'm surprised because I have not seen one comment yet. No, I haven't either. And I think it's, I think that's good. I think that going forward, we'll probably talk about the budgets for each room. Right. Because I think it would be helpful for you guys to see how much, like if you watched the series and you saw what we did to a specific room, how much those things cost and how much we budgeted for furniture and materials so that if you're doing DIY projects, you can, you know, kind of get an idea of how much those things cost. Right. But um, even then, like, cause I mean, we've, we've been saving all our receipts and I've been putting them into a little app I have. Yeah. So I could easily calculate the cost of the renovation. But the thing is, is that we've been doing this over the last three years. And I mean, there was a time <laughs> during the late pandemic or like kind of mid pandemic where like everything was so cost of lumber expensive. was like through yeah. the roof. And I remember like my, my first foray into renovations was back in Newfoundland in 2011 when we started renovating our first house. And I remember I'd go, I think I'm pretty sure I went to Kent and, and the two by fours were like between two and $3 Canadian. Yeah. And I remember I went to one of the hardware, smaller hardware stores here and not like the one of the big box stores, one of the smaller ones that are like a bit more boutique because I needed something quick. Yeah. And they had a, s a small selection of lumber. And I remember a two by four, <laughs> an eight foot long two by four was well over $10 <laughs> US. And wow. I looked at it and I was like, and that was when I realized like, holy shit. I was like, when did two by fours become <coughs> over 10 bucks US? That's like five X the cost of what yeah. I remember ever paying for a two by four. Yeah. So, and I, the pro the price has dropped a little bit too now. So right, it's like, it's not, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different, but I want to talk about the first house that we looked at. Okay. Uh, do you remember the house? If you guys uh, will just refresh your brain. It was the strange house that looked like kind of a tree house from yes. the inside. It had that weird bedroom with the angled ceilings and the little loft area with no railing. Right. No garage. It did have a garage. It was detached garage. Oh, a detached garage. Sorry. Detached garage. Yes. Detached yeah. garage. It had a little hot tub and inside. It had a hot tub inside this like sunroom. Yeah. With skylights. So that house we thought was going to be the house. That was the first one we looked at. We actually looked at it three times. Oh, we always think the first one's going to be the one. Yeah. We did go back. You were with the one. <laughs> yeah. You were the one too. Um, we did go back with a contractor actually and decided that the, the house for the cost of the house and what we wanted to do with it, because we did want to put an addition on with a garage and a studio or a better primary suite or something like that. Yeah. It just like, it was so going to be so expensive to do. It was going to be almost 50% the cost of the house, the cost of the house, the renovations were going to be about 50% of yeah, and an we, another 50% on top of the cost of the house for that property we didn't feel and a realtor didn't feel that that property would have been worth that or we could have sold it later on for that. Maybe, well, I mean, maybe now. nowadays. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but speaking of that loft area where you were like, why is there no ladder here? Such a weird spot. What a crazy spot. Like, why is there a gap there? I don't know. Not why is there no railing right here? Yes. I was thinking after during the edit, oh my God, that would have been such a cool spot for a hammock. Like one of those like, um, floor hammocks where it's like wall to wall. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this was almost like they have a a ledge off of the landing. There's a, a ladder that you could climb up to this little platform above the staircase landing, and then they had a railing 
but then there was a gap in the railing. Like you could literally just fall out onto the staircase. Yeah, it was really weird. It was probably like 12 feet up. Yeah. It's quite a considerable fall. The house would have been a really cool project. I think we could have I think we could have done a lot of cool stuff with all of the houses that we looked at, except for house two, that mid-century modern one that you didn't like, the one that smelled like poo. Yeah. <laughs> that would have just been kind of a basic renovation. Right. Because that was like a bit more, uh, a lot of the places we looked at were sort of like tucked away, larger lot sizes. Yeah. That was probably the only spot we looked at that was in sort of a more traditional suburban neighborhood. Yeah. With a, a, a more standard lot size of what, like, like a... 0.25 acres yeah maybe 0.3 the house was a pretty modest size i think it was like 2500 square feet yeah or smaller yeah um, i was kind of it was similar to what our first house was it was yeah yeah definitely it, that was that was a cool house i think we could have done some cool stuff with it but i think from like a unique renovation perspective house one with that those weird angles house three with the sunken living room and the floor to ceiling windows oh, would yeah. have been the, the floor to ceiling windows in that that still house, gorgeous. I that house had it not been next to a highway, would have been the one. Would have been the one because it was like one hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. Was it really? It was two hundred thousand dollars. Holy moly! Yeah, I think the lot size was a little bit smaller though than it was, and I think the I think that the price was so low because they were just looking at the value of the land and maybe that ugly kitchen that they put in. Because there was a significant amount of mold and da water damage to the entire basement. Yeah, there's probably, we wrote it off pretty quickly, but I'm sure if we went into it, there would be a lot of things, deficiencies that we would have to upgrade that would probably have been expensive and very um, invasive and time consuming. Yes, definitely. Yeah, but very neat, neat windows. Very cool. I was so disappointed to see that kitchen though. Like we, t and we, you know, there's a segment in the episode about it, but essentially we have this like mid-century modern house. It's got all of, it's almost like seventies ish looking. Cause it had all this like dark Brown wood, floor to ceiling windows, a sunken living room with the fireplace. And then you like turn over and then they put this like traditional Brown stained kitchen in with cream um, granite countertops and these like curly corbel things. And they're not even like, they're not even just plain shaker cabinets. They were like standard, like standard traditional yeah. cabinetry. So that was a bit disheartening to see that they, you know, kind of fucked that up because that probably was a pricey kitchen with the granite countertops and stuff. And it would have had to come straight out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So with that being said, we ended up on the house that we're in now. We're very happy with it. Uh, let's dive into some of the questions about, uh, first of all, I have a question kind of that came from the announcement video. If you guys haven't seen that one, I'll leave it in the show notes as well. We basically posted an announcement video for the series, which basically talked about our background and how we even got into home renovations in the first place. A little bit about our um, first house and a renovation, which we've talked about on this podcast before, creating with the stars, which we've talked about here too, um, and then you know all of our foray—that's not the word—all uh, of our, our our expedition, we'll say, into the crown land applications when we decided we were going to do a cabin in Newfoundland, which didn't happen. So some of you guys were wondering what happened to the crown land applications. Uh, what happened to the crown land applications? Well, we submitted, I don't remember how many we submitted now, 12? I think we submitted 10 or tw uh, ten or 12. It was 12. We submitted 12. Yeah. We shortlisted hundreds of lots. Like, hundreds. Oh my God, I had so many lots looked at. I think there was like almost we, We've told this story many times. Yeah. But, and then I, I categorized them into uh, freshwater, saltwater. So either on the lake or it was on the ocean. And then we decided we wanted something on the lake because it'd be more calm. 
Um, so that kicked out half of them. And then the ones we actually put a, an application on, we actually visited to make sure that it, w- it was feasible to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. And then we put in those 12 applications. And I think of those 12, three, maybe four, got conditionally approved for purchase. And we had one year to get a survey done and do any perk tests that we needed to get done, check the land out before we bought it. A year came and almost went, and I applied for another one-year extension because we were in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And then all the stuff with my job happened, and we ended up not going back to Newfoundland. And then we moved to Buffalo. And then as the expiration date came up for the second thing, I applied to have another one-year extension. And they said, sorry, you can only do that once. Oh, I didn't so realize that's th- what happened. It, it, what it turned out to be was I can either buy these this land now without having any survey. Well, I still needed a survey. Yeah. But no, like, no perk test, um, no checking of the land or whatever. Or I can just let them expire, and they just expired. Yeah. Well, we knew we weren't moving back. And if we right. were moving back, we just do the process over again because I'm sure that we just have... The crown land process is... It's not as attractive as it used to be in a sense that it used to be like you get a killer deal on crown on crown land. Times are different like now. Like well under market value. These plots of land, what they do is they actually assess them for quote unquote fair market value. Right. So it still was a better deal in a sense that you weren't paying like $100,000 for an acre on prime lakefront property in like a lakefront development. But- it worked out for us because we didn't want to go that route because those lakefront developments, I remember there were like ocean pond, for example, we were looking at like a developer basically had all the owned all those lots. They divided them up into one acre lots all along and you'd have like neighbors all up and down the shoreline. Yeah. We didn't want that. It was like a, it was like a basically a lakefront development. We didn't want to be in a development. <laughs> we wanted to be like out in the middle of nowhere with like nobody around. Right. So, you know, instead of spending six figures on a one acre lot, we found a one acre lot and they would charge, you know, what they, I think they quoted us anywhere from nine to 12 grand. I feel like that was kind of the yeah. range so about 10 grand for an acre. I think at the time too, when all that was happening, like, yeah, we could have just like bought it, but we didn't have any money. No, we just we moved. Had, we had negative dollars. Yeah. We, we had gone into debt to finance this move yeah. to get here. Cause we and weren't expecting the move. We, we were, we were illiquid. <laughs> yeah. So it was, a, it was a sketchy time for us. Yeah. Like now I think nowadays it's like, and, and 10 grand for one acre is not that gr- it, it's a good price in a sense that it's not a lot of money to buy land. But like when you, when you factor in, if you're buying vacant land, you're probably buying more than one acre usually. Yeah. And you're probably going to spend, yeah, more than 10 grand, but the cost per acre dramatically will decrease as you get into multiple acres. So it was a little bit um, expensive for something we weren't going to immediately do anything with. And expensive for somebody who had no money. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Next question. This is from Bill and Kelly Adventures. They say, been a realtor for 13 years. I, Kelly, have seen so many people fall in love with something that they didn't love online. I tell people to just go look at everything you never know. Um, From experience, 10 out of 10 also recommend that. (laughs) Or something, the flip side is is true as well. Something you think you love online, you get there in person, you're like, oh, this is underwhelming. Yeah, it's not what you expect. For sure. My question is, how would you feel about buying in the market today where you have to make a decision before you leave the home because it has 15 offers already? As a realtor, it's so, so hard to see people fall in love with the home and never have a shot. Yeah, I would feel a lot more stressed nowadays. Yeah, I think too, because there was nothing on the market back then and we were stressed and there were like three offers on this house. Right. Including ours. Um, Now, like I've been watching the market every now and then I get into this weird 
thing. I'm like, oh, it would be cool to have a rental property. And then I look, there is, there has been nothing on the market. <laughs> Everything is like pending. So she, she asked, how would you feel about buying in the market today where you have to make a decision before you leave? Because if you have 15 offers, you guys may have heard us talk about this before, but during the pandemic last two years, we actually did purchase a piece of land, um, which had 12 offers on it. Yeah, 12 registered offers. We had to go significantly above the asking price. 50% over asking. 50% over asking. So 50% over asking. Yeah. For 14 acres of land. So <laughs> we not that we didn't buy a house in it. We had this house, thankfully. But we did go through the process of that, b- purchasing that land. And it was a challenge. It took a very long time to negotiate. It took a very long time to close on the land. Um, it was definitely a journey. It was. And there may or may not be another project coming up around all of that. But, but there may be. But, you know, only the podcast diehards here get to know that, right? Shh, that's our secret. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking pumped about that, by the way. Yeah, I know See, you are. It's great because th- these series, like every time we do one, it's like, hey, it's like f- just a friggin' blast to do. Because it's branding something from the ground up, rolling out with it, you know, making new formats. It's like a great ex- excuse to try something different for you guys. Your graphic designer um, insider is like yeah. tingling. Well, it's fun for us, but also I feel like it's fun to make something that feels very specific for you guys. It's just like, I, as I'm doing, like making it for you. So the cabin build is going to be fun because we're going through this process of renovating now. We've never built anything before. So we're, we're learning how to like, film ourselves doing this <laughs> now we're gonna have to bring it outside yes that's gonna be a challenge that's gonna be have us all a whole other set of challenges yeah and that's gonna have a, an entirely different look and brand and, and whatever it's gonna be mm. a blast okay moving on timothy asks tools what are the tools for working with wood that you realize you needed to buy versus renting also safety gear that goes along with them i think we're gonna do a bunch of a bunch of content about tools like reels and shit yeah because there's just, there's like, you know, beginner tools that's list, and like that's underdog list, tools. list form stuff that does well. Yeah. Yeah. We actually did a blog post on top, underdog, top underdog tools. Top 10 underdog tools. And we did that back in, I don't know, probably 2013 maybe. Probably. Yeah. I'll yeah, leave it in the show notes. It's somewhere on our blog. Anyway, uh, rent versus buying on tools. We've always, for, I mean, wood tools in particular are generally... They're investments because we're working with wood a lot. Right. We're going to be not just, if we're going to need a tool for wood, we're going to be work. We're probably going to need it again at some point. So we just buy tools. Yeah. We tend to gravitate to Ryobi because they have a lot of options of like specialty wood tools. Like, yeah. you know, like a drill press or a router table. Right. Um, so we tend But also for their uh, cordless stuff, like you, oh, once yeah. you buy into a, a, a battery system, you're more or less married to that brand. And we found Ryobi's it has been good uh, for us mm-hmm. because I feel like it's a nice balance for like uh, being affordable, but it's it's not like garbage. I found that the, the 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 tools actually work well. They're actually good, yeah. And anytime that a tool has broken though or has stopped working, I've literally just taken it back to Home Depot and say, "Hey, it stopped working," and they just replace it on the spot, no yeah. receipt. With a retailer backing you up like that, I think that it's a good not investment but it's a good system to have because you can buy the cheap tools and you can be more or less okay with them breaking yeah. now if we were professionals we were using them more i'm sure they would probably break more frequently yeah and i think if we were professionals we probably would invest in maybe a different system just that had you know more torque or more power or better yeah. battery life or whatever and it's like one of those things where it 
you don't know what sometimes you don't know what you're you don't have until you have something better well so you need it yeah so you'll see this in sunday's episode but let's talk about it briefly because we are talking about tools so we needed a chop saw and so we went and got a Ryobi chop saw, which... No, no, no. It was, it was um, Lowe's house brand. No, we got a Ryobi chop saw that oh, was yes. missing a piece. Right. It was, the, it was a floor model. So we brought it back and we went to Lowe's and brought, bought... What, what is it, it called? The, uh, oh, it's, it's the blue... It's the blue one. The blue brand. K- Kobe? Kobe? Co- I don't know. I think it's the K and it's blue. So and it's, it's Lowe's house brand. So in the video, we, we buy this Lowe's house brand chop saw. It's a small one. We buy it to do our engineered hardwood in the bedroom and i literally gave a diatribe about how we're just weekend warriors we don't need the top don't need the, the top top line tools this will last me for my lifetime well anyway the first cut we do with it we bring the saw down oh my god the bearings were so bad yeah like not even a smooth like, cut at <laughs> all we we're like oh god so we're like whatever it will be could fine. not hold a miter couldn't hold a miter yeah like i would crank it down and it would s- kind of move back into the into the uh the fixed position for like the zero and the 45 where it has like the fixed detents mm-hmm. and i would like i those were a little bit off so i try to like make a different like fudge it over a bit and then i tighten down the handle and it would slip back into the off cut yeah if you're doing miters you you want them to be accurate especially if you're doing any trim work or oh flooring yeah. so this saw was a hundred dollars and a f- months later we went and just like dropped so, like so, 500 bucks so, on a dewalt so big boy <laughs> yeah fast forward two years and we're doing our deck and i was like i can't deal with this matter so i need I, so, I needed a bigger saw so because bad. the slide wasn't long enough i couldn't cut long enough wide enough boards right and i was doing a ton of complex miters and i was like you know what i need a proper saw and i just bought the top of the line devolt one <laughs> it's so good and it was so much faster i could not have done it with the with the house brand so yeah Co- cobalt. cobalt cobalt that's what it was with a k yeah yeah i'm sure like maybe their other tools are okay so i think in our experience i would say the drill the driver the you know oscillating tool those tools are probably fine to buy kind of like the the house brand or yeah. the ryobi or the makita or not the makita the milwaukee when it comes to chop saw when it comes to table saw invest in those because they're gonna be more accurate cutting wise uh, and some of them might even be more safer. Right. I live by my saw stop table saw. Yeah. We we decided that if we were going to get a table saw, the only one we were going to get was a saw stop because this saw, yeah, fingers. This, you pr- guys may have heard of them before, but it's one of these saws where if it hits, if it detects flesh. Flesh detection circuitry. It sucks, th- it sucks the blade back down into the thing. It basically... Like jams new, up the blade and sucks a, it down. There's a pneumatic brake cartridge that fires in like milliseconds. Yeah. And just the centrifugal force of the brake cartridge hitting the blade cause it just suck right in the table almost instantaneously. Yeah. So like you'll have might be a little abrasion on your finger, a little tiny little nick in your skin. But you won't skin. cut your finger off. Right. Yeah. And so I, I see table saw injuries so often. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because like when I look at x-rays at work and I see an injury to the hand, I can almost say that's a table saw injury. That's a table saw injury. And sure enough, you check the history, it's like table saw injury. Yeah. Because you can see the the notch of the blade in the bone sometimes. Anyway, this is probably graphic for some people. Yeah, it is. I have a healthy respect for power tools. I, I, I'd say that I, I may not use the table saw if we didn't have a saw stop. And I use it all the time. Yeah. Um, because I feel comfortable with it yeah. knowing that. Um, Doesn't mean that you should get lax though. No, and I, and I don't. I'm definitely still very careful with it. But... Uh, it definitely gives me a bit of peace of mind. So we have the contract, the the bottom of the line, like uh, job site one. Right. 
and it's fantastic for us. Right, um, and, and it costs probably, I remember when we, were, when we were looking, I was pricing table saws. It was about three to four times the cost of a normal job site table saw. But in my opinion, it's one of those things it's where it's it. it's well worth it as far as an, even just as an insurance policy. And it's a fantastic saw. Yeah, so I remember my f- table, the table saw I was using in, in St. John's was your dad's old blunderbuss so table sketchy. saw. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just, you know, it got the job done. But you had to, you know, make sure that the 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 fence was squared up after you locked it. Yeah. And you had to manually measure from the fence to the inside edge of the blade every single time. Whereas on an, I, and I guess maybe probably it's not just the saw stop now, but most modern high end table saws, the fence is always going to be square. Mm-hmm. You just, it's always going to be calibrated. Just move it and yeah. literally use the calibration on the t- saw itself, itself. And then you don't have to like double check the the square. You don't have to double check the the measurement itself is just all bang on. So I have a quick story about table saw. When I was home in uh, Newfoundland, I was out to my aunt's uh, summer ha- house uh, by summer. It was like a cabin, not a cabin. What would you call Broad Cove? Out around the bay. Yeah. I don't know, it's old house. Cottage. Cottage. So we're out to this cottage. We're out in the gr- shed, in the she shed, doing DIY projects. And my aunt needs something cut. So she's got this old ass table saw in the back. It looks sketchy as fuck. So she goes, Becky, come here now. Can you help me with this? Cut this piece of wood. I took one look at that thing and I was like, I am not. Nope. I was like, I don't want to use that. I was like, I I can picture myself cutting my fingers off. And then I realized (laughs) like, oh, wow. Like I actually definitely have peace of mind using our table saw. Like, well, A, it's like newer and looks nicer and it doesn't look like a (laughs) sketchy old rusty, you know, thing. It doesn't look like a skill saw duct tape to the bottom of a table. That's exactly what her her thing looked like. I mean, it was old, right? (laughs) So I was like, "Uh, I don't think I want to touch that thing. (laughs) And you made your poor aunt cut the wood herself. I mean, I wouldn't call my aunt a poor aunt. She's out there fixing shit all the time, building her own deck, building her own thing. She asked for your help. She said, Becky, come please help cut this wood chair for me. I know. I was just like, um. And you're like, no. (laughs) I'm too scared of that. No, Auntie. Cut your own fingers off. Um, when it comes to safety, we are big, big safety goggle wearers. Yeah. All the time. And ear protection when we're using really loud tools. Mm-hmm. But safety goggles all of the time. Yeah. I also got a pair of assless chaps recently. Yeah. For the for the uh, chainsaw. chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. I have a pair too. The chainsaw is actually probably the tool I have the healthiest respect for. That one, I'm. I don't. Scared. I don't like to say that I'm afraid of tools because I'm I think afraid if, if of the you chainsaw. have a f- if you have fear of tools, you're not going to be safely operating them because you're going to be you know like not operating with common sense. Yeah. But I have a healthy respect for the chainsaw. Yeah. That one just. Just yeah. just have a healthy respect for any tool. Like I've hurt myself with the driver before. Yeah. You know, you slip, you jam it down in your finger. Mm. That sucks. Okay, we're gonna move on. Uh, Madison, Mad, Madison, uh, this question says, do you think you will ever extend your renovation to include adding new buildings to your property, like workshops or sh- garden sheds, et cetera? Amazing well, job on curating a journey in full series. Thank well, you. Madison, thank you. I would love to build a hangar on the property. Absolutely not. But this one over here has kiboshed that idea. She says that <laughs> in order to have a hangar that would had a, a door opening that was tall enough to fit a 12 foot rotor ridiculous mass. Next to this house. The hangar would have to have a higher roof line than the actual house. <laughs> Can't. This house was architecturally designed. Mm-hmm. And if it was any other house, that maybe, but. What if we hired the same architect? I can't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think. But we do have some plans for a backyard project. Chris's new favorite hobby is water features. 
<laughs> Atlantis I, Water Gardens, hit us up. And <laughs> <laughs> somehow my, I, somehow my hobby is now water features. Yep. Um, mm. and we didn't film any of the water features either. No, but we're gonna film. We have two. We're on gonna, the, we, we have, have two on the property now. We have two on the property. One was an extensive one. That was just for us. We just did that for us. We didn't want to share it. It was our first one. Turned yeah. out really well. I'm Se- happy with it. I'm happy with it too. I think it looks great. Second one is like um pondless water bowl. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, it's just basically like a uh, a water. A, it's just a basically a basin, a giant bowl. Basin full of water. Full of water. Yeah. Trickles over the side down into some rocks. Yeah, and then it's got it's got a rock base that we put in, and then underneath that there's a hidden reservoir that catches the water where the pump lives. So we've got two now under our belts. So mm-hmm. now we want to do kind of like a pondy waterfally thing. Yeah, I want to do a. Uh, a wetland filter at the top with a waterfall coming around the existing flower bed that exists on this hill, dumping into a pond with a custom intake bay. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. You'll, you guys will see it if we do it. We'll make a video about that one. Yes. But in terms of other structures, maybe not. Maybe a treehouse down the back someday, but there you go. Eh, maybe not. Okay, next question from Cryowolf. Uh, they say, when did you guys start finding little furry friends? <laughs> the f- Wait, do they mean the rodents, or they mean the oh, or do they mean the deer? Well, I'm gonna. Th- I assumed the deer, the rodents. We found. I mean, we have a lot of furry friends. We have deer, fox. Uh, I think I saw bobcat shit in the back. Really? Some kind of turd. I don't know. Turkey vultures. Turkey vultures. Um, woodchucks. Woodchuck. We have. I haven't had a few wood- woodchucks in a while. Nope. Woodpecker. Chipmunk. Raccoon. Right. Let's we have a lot here. of furry friends. Here's a, let's know. If you had a, a, a woodchuck problem and probably, you were probably shouldn't talk about this on the internet. All right, all right, never mind. She won't let me eat the woodchucks. <laughs> <laughs> the first night that we came and saw this house, uh-huh. there was a group of like twelve deer in the yard. We could put the woodchucks on the smoker. Stop it! Oh my Stop god, it. that would have been great. The furry friends inside the house that we've been finding, the rodents. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started finding the the dead ones um, when we started renovating the studio. Yeah. And then we had to put a camera up, Mouse Duty TM, which has been very fruitful. It has. Yeah. They always came in through that one spot. We found the hole. We found the hole. We found the hole like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Fill that shit with that foam. And fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, we we got another guy. Haven't had a mouse since. No, you had, we had an incident with that one mouse. Yeah, we did. We did. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. Next question from Dan. (laughs) But as far as the deer are concerned. Yeah. The deer were here the first time we saw the house at in the evening. There yep. were deer in the yard, snowy evening, and it was magical. Oh, it was majestic. And we asked, we asked, uh, was it a real estate agent or was it the owners or something? It's like, do the deer, is that like, how, are they always there or do they come sometimes? They're like, oh, those deer, they're always there. And sure enough, you know. They're like, there. They're there pretty much. We see a deer pretty much every other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For it's sure. Kinda, it's kind of nice. I like them there. Yeah. I was talking to our neighbor, and she was like, yeah, I don't really like the deer because they bring ticks around, which is true, but they're really cute. I so like them. I like them, too. I really like the fox, too. They're really sweet looking. Mm. Okay. Except when that ran off with the woodchuck baby. So it kind of took care of our problem, though. <laughs> it did. I felt really sad. I heard it. The woodchuck. Saw it. The woodchuck? The fox taking the woodchuck. Baby. The, the fox took the woodchuck baby, and then the and then and the, the mom was really sad. It was really hard to watch. Yeah. Anyway, next topic. Okay. Um, that's the joys of living in the wilderness. The circle of life. Dan, Take oh, three. Going, going, Take going, four. Going, going. Dan asks, 
So in the jungle, <laughs> the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. Did you shut the fuck up? <laughs> All right, next. Dan at. <laughs> fuck up! Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. Everything the light touches is yours. Dan says, so excited for the series. Next Sunday can't come soon enough. Amazing content as always. Thank you, Dan. Don't know if it's too late to ask, but I was wondering what your process was for figuring out the scale of the work you envisioned for each house. Scale of the work. Do they mean literal scale? Like, uh, I think I think what they mean is like how, how extensive inv- yeah. the project would be. Like, it, I think it depends on each house. Like when we went to see it, what did the interior look like? Were there any deficiencies? Were there things that needed to be fixed? Did the house um, have what we needed it to have? So did it have a garage? Did it have a big enough primary suite? Did it have, you know, new kitchen and bathroom? Or did it that need to be renovated? Well, it was all a work back type exercise, right? Yes. We knew this, the finishings we were looking for and what the final product was going to be. And then where you start is the variable. Yeah. And then where, how far you need to go is going to be the price. And does your purchase price plus the price to get you from point A to point B, does that make sense? Right. And that was kind of just the estimation you had to make on every property, right? Yeah. So, for example, the second house we went to see, that mid-century modern house that was, like, in that suburb area that you didn't like. Chris didn't like it. Um, Why didn't I like it? Because it didn't have a spot for a helicopter. (laughs) Like the There's whole not epi- enough room to land the helicopter. It's like the whole episode was just like the only thing I wanted was just a spot to so I literally land. took out every it's single like, listing. Like, like I just want to be able to so have enough room to land a helicopter because that's the only thing I care about. Yeah. <laughs> helicopters. Yep. I was like, oh, there's probably asbestos in here. You were like, helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that project specifically was like a normal size house, right? It was like a, a pretty modest size house that was built in the 50s. Like it clearly needed a complete update. We would have had to found, find out where that smell was coming from. There was water damage on the ceiling that you could see. Downstairs had popcorn ceiling, which probably had asbestos in it because it was built in the 50s. There were a lot of things that were saying like, oh, there's probably going to be expensive undertakings. Mm-hmm. Anytime that you need to call somebody in for abatement, whether it's like lead, um, asbestos, or you know anything that's dangerous, costs a significant amount of money. That house was already high. Steph said in the episode, she said it's high for what it is, meaning that if it's high for what it is now, the way it looks, there's not a lot of room for us to put money into that to make it look the way we want to because we wouldn't get our money out of it in the end. Like I think that this being our fourth living place, second house, the finishings that we were going to put into whatever place we ended up in would have been relatively high end. Yeah, it would have depended on on what house we went into. Like had we gotten that house... They probably, the finishings wouldn't have been as high end as they will be in this house. Right. But also, on the same token, though, our house in St. John's, we ran into that that issue. We bought an entry level, split level house, and we put finishings in that we really wanted to live in because at the end of the day, it's your house, you're living in it. We thought that 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 was going to be our kind of long term house. Yeah. Kind of. You almost said forever house. No. <laughs> no, but we were gonna, we plan on being there for a decade plus. Yeah. So we wa- we made decisions based on what we were going to what well, was going to make us happy, not what was going to knowing get us that the we most. probably wouldn't get that mu- some of that money back. I mean, right. it, it, it panned out that way, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we enjoyed it while we were there. Yeah. But yeah, going into this here, we probably we might have been in a similar situation where we would have just said, "Well, I don't care that we're going to maybe put in a kitchen that's worth more than it sh- this house should have in it because we're going to be using." Because we're going to be using it, and it's going to be an, in, an investment in what we're enjoying. Right. But I'm glad that we ended up with this house, which is more expensive, because now we can put in finishings that are 
commensurate to the price of this house and it won't be out of place. Exactly. The uh, house that we looked at before this house, the one that was that I was kind of scared of, that was really dirty and gross. The one that they were like, oh, it's built in the 80s, but it was actually built in the 50s. Right. The addition was in the 80s. Yeah. That's really sketchy. It's like, oh, that's a red flag. What are you hiding? But that house, I think like while that house, I think was like, you know, not the most expensive house we looked at, but with the amount of work we would have had to do to that house to bring it to where we wanted it to be. Plus that house and location could have taken high end finishes. It would have been very expensive. Yes. To do. So this house, it had all of the gross stuff done. Like there was nothing gross about this house. Well, the house was built in the 90s. Aside from the roof, like there's no abatement here. There's no. You and know, the roof had been recently replaced. Yeah. So. Like, within the last past few years. It's pretty much like, you know, you have our, your bathrooms that need to be updated, torn back to, you know, that's fine. But there's no like tearing down walls and restructuring house. There's no needing to build a garage. It's basically room makeovers. You don't have to rewire the house. Exactly. There's no new, you don't need to put in new plumbing. Like we might need new HVAC at some point soon. Like, because we're, our house is at that age where certain things are going to start to go. Like our appliances are old, Mm -hmm. but that's fine because we're going to renovate the kitchen. And because of the house and the style of the house and what this house is, we can put in the finishes that we want to in the kitchen. We don't have to cut corners because of cost for this house. I can't wait to do the kitchen. Alex asks, how many times did Chris rip one during this whole process? I'm ripping one right now. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised. Right this very second. Every house, you were like, got a Chris in it. <laughs> I should take some samples from your toots from episode one oh and put God. them on the board. We get... <laughs> <laughs> You're a burning machine everywhere. We could we could have a whole bloopers episode of just all my my rip away cutaways. Yeah, we could <laughs> just one. We should start a Patreon. Okay, next question. What's the injury count so far? You almost cut your finger off. Not off. I almost turned no. it into dog meat. There was a lot of blood. There's a, a lot is relative. Yeah, and then you whacked your head a lot. Yeah. I also whacked my head. Whacking a couple your times. head sucks. <laughs> it's actually the worst. Yeah. It's the fucking worst. You ha- you cut up your hands a couple of times, but nothing too bad. Like nothing where you had to go get stitches or anything. You probably could have had stitches on that dog meat finger. No, because there was nothing to stitch together. You just tore up. It was just mangled a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I got off lucky on that one. Yeah, you you really did. That was a router yeah. table accident. Don't attempt a climb cut on yeah, a router you, table if you don't know what you're doing like me. <laughs> you might destroy your finger. Yeah. Um, anyway. The last question is from Maranatha. I think that's how you say it. Is this potentially the for good Becky and Chris home? Like the forever home? Uh, it's probably a, a while home, but I don't know. Maybe it was the way that I was raised. Uh, we moved around a lot. So do we. And so it was like never a, like there was no such thing as a forever home in my family. It was always like, okay, dad's got a new job at this spot. Let's go here. See, that's interesting because for us, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh, dad drew up a new house. So we're going to build a new house. (laughs) Yeah. But my dad was really into architecture and building homes. So I think like ever since I've been alive, he built like three, three homes, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And that was a way for him to kind of. That was his hobby. That was his outlet. Yeah. That was. He, like he wasn't, a, he was a pharmacist. He wasn't a contractor. No, but drawing, like doing architects stuff and drawing houses and being a, his own general contractor. It was basically like you being obsessed with water gardens. <laughs> like he just had to do it. You know <laughs> what I mean? So yeah, every couple of years, not every couple of years, but you know, he built a couple houses and designed them himself. And so I think like moving is kind of normal ish. Like, well, building home for me, like building, growing up, building new homes is, is normal. Yeah. And for you moving is normal. 
Right. So I don't know. I just feel like I like I love this house. I love this house. But I'm not like I don't feel like attached to anything really. I don't know. I I I think this is gonna be a long term house for us. I I've never felt more happy about a house. Mm-hmm. When we lived in St. John's, a lot of times I would, you know, be in bed and I'd be like, How would I stage this house if I was gonna sell it? Yeah. I haven't thought about that once. Interesting. Here. Yeah, not yeah. once. I love this house so much and it just feels really comfortable and we're we're doing the renovation for us to make not for a reason not to flip it. it we're doing things that we want in the house. And we've always kind of done that too. We have. Our house in St. John's, we did the renovations because of what we wanted, not because of resale. Yeah, and that's what we're doing here. I mean, so. We're putting a goddamn glass staircase. I did like a, yeah. A custom flameless gla- frameless glass staircase. Like that was a passion project. There's no way we got money back on that. No. It was a DIY glass yeah, staircase. Yeah, we put yeah. in a $5,000 home automation system. Yeah. <laughs> custom built from the ground up. Yeah. By me. Yeah. But custom built nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. We, we didn't get any of that money back. We didn't. No. So <laughs> we're definitely more about making choices based on what we like, not based on what's going to make yeah. money in the in the long run. But with that being said, like I can see us staying here for a very long time. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can't imagine going my whole life and not designing either designing or working with an architect to design something custom and building a house from scratch. We're going to build a cabin. We're going to do like two phases of the cabin where we build something ourselves and then probably get help for a bigger project, but I would at some point like to, my dream for a dream house is to work with the architect that designed the Fogo Island Inn in Newfoundland. He's from Newfoundland, lives in Norway. I'd love to work with him on a design, custom, build a house from the ground up, have it on a massive piece of property, and have your hangar there designed to work with the house. No, I'm I'm serious. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, that's, that would be like the dream would be to have something architecturally designed by this guy in the style that we both love that's incorporates a hangar and like a nice large spot for you to fly in and not an obscenely massive size like a reasonable like retirement size mm-hmm. but like dope as fuck <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's my dream okay so we kind of use dream home a little bit um clickbaity then in the title i i think this I think this is like a, a dream home a for home sure. you would dream about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, I couldn't dream up a better home, like, to buy mm-hmm. something that's built already. Like, the, the only thing I think could that could be better is if we built and designed something from scratch. I think we did pretty good with this house. I love it. I've never once thought, oh, I want to sell it. And anytime we'd ever talk about, like, oh, should we move? Like, no, I don't want to move out of here. Mm. Fucking love this house. Yeah, that's true. Comfy. Big. Cool. Yeah, it's very angular. Angular, <laughs> tubular. Um, the the hard thing about the angles, though, is that uh, they do pose a challenge for for projects. Some of the rooms are oddly shaped, and yes. uh, we did have a little bit of an issue last week where we were supposed to get our gla- custom glass for our bathroom reno installed, and when they showed up, it was incorrect. The one thing we sourced out for the project. Yep. <laughs> the one thing we sourced out for the project had to be re recut because they didn't measure the angle correct the guy was like um they said this was a 90 degree angle but this is a 35 degree angle <laughs> i was like, like yes somebody came out and measured it <laughs> yep that was some yeah or 135 degree i was like yep your team came and measured it they were <laughs> like okay well we have to recut this so um while i said that for the next couple of weeks we'll be doing series and after show there will be a slight gap which we'll we'll fill with some DVD extras um, <laughs> until th- that last episode because we have Assuming the, the glass, glass even gets installed. Oh God, it could be months. Like yeah. God knows. It took six weeks to get 
the wrong size. Right. So he told me two weeks could be three. I'm going to assume it's not going to be that. Well, hopefully they uh, can get it done. But anyway, if they don't, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, no. It is what it is. You have to have an open mind when you're doing renovations. Like, mm-hmm. if you start, you know, obsessing over timelines and stuff, it's just you're going to be disappointed and pissed off all the time. Yes. So you just have to go with the flow and expect that things are going to go wrong and expect that you're going to fall through the ceiling if you go into the attic <laughs> and expect that you're going to mismeasure a bunch of shit when you're doing your bathroom. Oh, my God. Foreshadowing. All right. Or you're going to order the wrong size rug and then regret it. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of shit. So it's a learning process still, even after the first one. But we've been having fun. So with that being said, we are going to go. We bought a new smoker. So. Oh, yeah. We got to check on the smoker. Yeah. We bought a Komodo Joe and we've been smoking meats all over the place. (laughs) So we're going to go do that. But thank you guys so much for watching. Episode two will be live on our main YouTube channel on Sunday, 10 a.m. And after shows will be going live on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern time here on Tuxedo Time Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Talk to you guys next time. Kind of. (laughs) 